0: Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kenny with you. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for being with us. Coming up on the show, we got a lot to jam into two hours here today. Uh, Colts make a hire. IU season summed up in one stat. And a massive change for at least one college basketball program. We'll get to all that. In this hour, And hour number two, we'll preview IU Ohio State a little more with Jim Coyle, host of Indiana Sports Beat Radio, which you can hear right here on 1380 The Fan every day from three to four. Also, the publisher of the IU rival site plus Super Bowl Saturday. Yeah, we'll we'll debate this. Uh, We'll get to a different Super Bowl related story each day this week. They'll mostly be fun stories, just for the record. Um, So we'll we'll debate that whether we're in favor. Or disfavor of that. And Dan Lust, who's a sports lawyer, host of the Conduct at- Detrimental Podcast, will join us to talk about that massive change for at least one college basketball program. So we'll get to all that. And after 8.50, an Australian toddler had a little fun with the claw machine. We'll explain that.
1: Hey, a little too much fun
0: with the yeah. claw machine? Yes, okay. too much fun. That would be safe to say. All right. Uh, did you ever have success with the claw machine? No, I I, I, I had a friend growing up who was like really good at it and confident. And I'm like, I, I wasn't even allowed to try this. So <laughs> I don't know how you were good at it.
1: <laughs> I see the claw machine every day because toy story is playing yeah. our house every day, every day with the claw. So, um, yeah, but success playing the claw machine. No, not much.
0: Yeah. It's I- very little. I did not have success either by any means.
1: <laughs> we're, we're better in, in, with other things, but not that apparently.
0: Yeah. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Also, don't forget, you can always stream us 1380thefan.com on your laptop, on your computer, or you can stream us on the mobile app. That is free to download as well. The 1380 fan app or on your smart speaker. Also free to listen to, each and every day during the show and anytime to 1380 fan, 24 seven on all those outlets. All right, let's dive into headlines this morning, Justin, and we start in the NFL and the Eagles will host the inaugural Brazil game on opening weekend of the 2024 season. And it'll be a Friday game.
1: Hmm. Um, uh, the NFL, whatever it does works. I don't have much of a problem with it being in Brazil. I mean, it's a similar, uh, time zone. I had a buddy that was like, why are they playing Brazil? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, it's, still gonna it's like be an a- hour ahead. Yeah, it's still going to be 7, and 8 o'clock, something like that. It's not like they're playing overseas or something. Uh, it's just another step towards uh, NFL world domination, or at least the North America, South America domination. So not necessarily surprising, but um, yeah, kicking the season off on a Friday instead of the traditional Thursday night game.
0: So the Eagles, again, they will be the host. This will be in Sao Paulo at Corinthians Arena. Uh, it'll be one of five regular season games to be played internationally this upcoming season. Three in London, one in Germany.
1: It doesn't sound good right now until, like, who's going to turn in on a Friday night, blah, blah, blah. Like, we'll be so starved for NFL football that there'll they'll be a, bi- a big rating.
0: And, and this fine. will be the second game of the season. So it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, it'll be fine. So they're still going to play... Thursday night, and then they'll have a Friday night game. Is that Correct. what you're telling me? Okay, Correct. I got you. I thought the first one, first game would be that Friday night. So yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah, that's great. They will they will be okay.
1: Well, what the NFL is trying to do, maybe similar to what we see with college football the week before with Labor Day weekend, is you know you see games Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, even Monday night, and now the NFL may be looking into creating that Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. Monday, yes, opening weekend, and really have a almost an opening week slate of games.
0: We shall see how it plays out. Um,
1: I'm sure it'll be fine for the NFL. Yeah,
0: yeah. They they basically print money at this point. Uh, continuing on in NFL storylines, coaching updates for the Cleveland Browns: uh, Deuce Staley to be the running backs coach. If you remember him, former Philadelphia Eagle, right? Yeah, for a bit. Uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, Tommy Reese will be the tight ends, and pass game specialist. So he has also found his laning spot as well with Cleveland. So that was rumored, and now it's official, and I, I've seen stuff out there that you know, could Tommy Reese go back to the college ranks. I mean, there are a lot of openings suddenly with some movement. Bill O'Brien going to Boston College, which is pretty crazy. I didn't see that's, that. That's the rumor, oh, I guess. Oh, okay. So he had just landed at Ohio State. <laughs> hmm. But, uh... We'll see. But uh, he is likely to become the Boston College coach, and then that makes a lot of changes. Remember, he coached at Penn State. He's a Northeast guy, so it makes sense from a geographic standpoint. Yeah. But likely to become the next Boston College coach, so that would mean the Ohio State OC job would be open again. Who knows? Could Tommy Race be a candidate? <laughs> you never know.
1: Who knows, potentially. So with every with every move, there's, of course, impact. So you... um. Oh, see, I didn't hear the Bill O'Brien thing, so that would be that would be a big hire for for Boston College.
0: Again, just a report, yeah. So it's not official, not yet. not official
1: yet, but something to keep an eye on.
0: The NBA, so we're getting ready for All Star Weekend, which is so close. In fact, what? Not this weekend, but next, next weekend, weekend? Yeah. in Indianapolis. And the NBA unveiled an LED court. Oh, this is pretty cool. Have uh, you taken a look at it? So, city uh, well, art, lot. full video, LED either. court. It'll be used for NBA All Star 2024 events that take place at Lucas Oil Stadium. Of course, the celebrity game, uh, the slam dunk, the three point shootout skills competition, and then, of course, the Stefan versus Sabrina NBA versus WNBA three point challenge. So it has design and color changes, live replays, and other video content, real time game stats, location based player tracking animations. Interactive games for fans during timeouts and immersive animations following key plays and moments. So this just seems like badass, the future That's of what I was gonna say. NBA basketball. Remember well, during the bubble where they did all that stuff around the court, right? Yeah, where, yeah. I mean, yes, they piped in fan noise. I mean, you had to make it an environment, right? right? But then also they had different people who could like, they were shown watching like the game on the screen and then they had all these different, anim- this seems like the next iteration of that.
1: It looks pretty cool, and I, I not just the future of the NBA, but maybe the future of uh, of a lot of sports that play on playing surfaces that could be utilized like this. So it's it's pretty nifty. It may be just enough t- to make me want to tune in and see how this thing looks.
0: So that's the first thing with the NBA, an uh, All-Star weekend. The other thing, one, Jalen Brown could participate in the dunk contest, which is huge. This would mark the first time since 2017 an All-Stars competed in the event. Man, it seems so he's, like a lot longer, he's, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's step number one. Then you have a lot with three-point uh, contest and who's participating. So Tyrese Halliburton will be among the participants. Also Donovan Mitchell as well. You roll on with the list. Uh, Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley of Milwaukee, Jalen Brunson of New York, Utah's Lori Markkinen, also set to participate. Of course, don't forget the Steph Curry-Sabrina Inescu uh, challenge as well that will take part in all that. So announcements starting to roll in. Obviously, if Jalen Brown does participate in the dunk contest, that will be a, a pretty big draw
1: absolutely and looking forward to that if that happens man it's been seven years feels like 17 years since <laughs> yeah. they've had an all-star
0: or at least somebody I knew who they were I mean LeBron's never participated in it I think that says everything yeah I mean seriously the the event and it's had its moments Dwight Howard Blake Griffin um, it, it's had some moments with star guys over the years but it feels like it's been a been a long time It's it's been a while yes absolutely Uh, Continuing on, so we go from the NBA to college football and some really unfortunate news. St. Francis announced uh, the passing of one of their football players, Jaden Morris, who died over the weekend uh, in some violence uh, in Fort Wayne. So uh, just truly, truly terrible news. Uh, He was a shooting victim in downtown Fort Wayne, uh, an incident that happened uh, on Saturday Again, near near downtown. So, uh, died of multiple gunshot wounds. So, uh, he was a freshman on the football team at St. Francis, a 2023 Southside High School graduate. He played basketball and football. So, obviously, just a, a devastating loss for the community.
1: Yeah, Jaden was a, a regular at OPS, uh, my day job, and, and training with football. And, and every time I saw him, he'd, he'd wear OPS garb and, just a, a smile on his face. He was an unintended victim of gun violence. It seems like a a, a trend in terms of of uh, innocent victims. With the uh, with the girl from Snyder being killed last mm-hmm. Monday, uh, Jaden was uh, was a great kid and um, really was had his sights set set high with at St. Francis in terms of academics and uh, and we're gonna miss him at OPS and it's just. Um, it's a shame now since the turn of the calendar, five teenagers have been killed in Fort Wayne via gun violence. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that seriously needs addressed and it's still just silence across the city about addressing this because, uh, it's becoming younger and younger, I mean, a 13 year old being killed over on Vance street in January, Mm -hmm. like 13, like what is going on? And then, and then of course the incidents of the past week with Jaden and, um, and the girl from Snyder, so I, I, it's it's uh, it just seems like a back and forth type thing, and uh, I don't know where the end is, but hopefully the city
0: can uh, and the police force can get their arms around it. Yeah, it's just uh, it's terrible. I, I don't know what else to and say. I mean, it's it's awful, and you know, gun violence being a problem here, and you don't really think of a lot of shootings happening over the winter. It's more of a a summer thing. thing. So to have June and July here, it's January and February shootings this early in the year. Uh, and, and involving a lot of teens. It's just, it's devastating.
1: And largely it's about nothing. It's just, it's tit for tat. It's you did this. We're going to do this. It's just back and forth. It's just, it's, it's stupid. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, uh, the, the, The powers that be can get uh, a wrangle on things because it's, you know, last week was a rough week for a lot of people with, uh, with, 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 with murders. And now we're up to six already in the city and five of them have been teenagers through the first four plus weeks of the year.
0: From some sad news to some good news. Will Jamison of Homestead High School, uh, posting that he has been fully cleared, after a car crash a few months ago he is now able to play in games so this is a very positive development
1: big time because he was a kid that uh, entering this season was a top 5 player in the area and had the unfortunate accident and was able to recover and work his way back and you didn't know if he would play this year you did, kind of didn't expect it and it was the last thing on everybody's mind during his recovery but now he's been cleared and Uh, It's going to be a big boost to Homestead down the stretch as they prep for sectional play and beyond. So, great to see Will Jamison fully back on the court, ready to
0: compete. Absolutely. 46862, your text line number again, 46862. Meanwhile, the Indianapolis Colts, they make uh, some news as they've hired Pitt's assistant head coach, Charlie Partridge, As their defensive line coach, he's regarded as one of the best defensive line coaches in the college ranks. He's been with Pitt since 2017. That was his second stint uh, with the Panthers, was the FAU head coach from 2014 to 2016. He's developed some pretty talented players. uh, While a college defensive line coach, J.J. Watt uh, at Wisconsin, Trey Hendrickson uh, is at FAU. Obviously others on the list. So he's going to be able to work with DeForest Buckner and potentially Grover Stewart if the Colts re-sign him, but this is a big move, and to get a guy of his caliber, it will be his first NFL job, but you kind of understand why the Colts didn't renew the contract of Nate Ollie, uh, to, to get someone who's so well-regarded as Charlie Partridge. Well, he's, he's really earned himself the
1: reputation as one of the best defensive line coaches in all of college football. How that translates to the NFL, we'll have to see. But um, Charlie Partridge, definitely a decorated uh, coach in the college ranks, and we'll see if that can translate to Indianapolis. And, and and here's the thing: it's like it's a it's a high bar because that defensive line was so good last year. So basically, he has to come in and not rock the boat too much because that definitely is a strength of the Colts.
0: Yes, the Colts defensive line and, and the Colts defense as a whole. 51 sacks last year, uh, which was fifth in the NFL, broke the franchise record for most sacks by any Colts team since the team moved to Indianapolis. So they had a lot of success. Uh, you had four different players, Samson Ebukam, Quiddy Pay, DeForest Buckner, and Dio Odingbo, who recorded eight sacks or more. Uh, the Colts' only team in the NFL to have four di- different pass rushers who reached that mark. So again, very successful. So it was a bit of a surprise when Nate Ollie wasn't retained. But now, Charlie Partridge, the guy coming in to take over, and we'll see what he can do. So we'll see. Uh, time will tell on if it was a good hire, good replacement,
1: or not for the Indianapolis Colts.
0: 46862. Again, your text line number, 46862. Coming up on the other side, we roll on. IU season can be summed up in one stat. We'll get to that next. Mm-hmm. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 the fan, and 100.9 FM. Here's a song that'll get me a little more awake here this morning. Let's go. Bare Naked Ladies. Was it 99? 98, 99,
1: yeah. yeah. 25 years old.
0: One of the uh, top Canadian rock groups. Yes. Yes, I know you. A lot lot of big Canadian rock groups out there.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Just one of the uh, better things that have come from Canada. Plenty. Plenty of good stuff. Maple syrup.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I I think that's one of the better things, personally. Maple Leafs. I I mean, not the hockey franchise, but... In general, yeah. Yes. You know. Iconic. Mm-hmm. A Maple Leaf is iconic.
1: I like, I like Canada. They're, they're
0: good people up there. So my wife, who was born and raised in Michigan, never been to Canada. Really? Yeah. Was so she we, like
1: two hours away from the uh,
0: closest? Uh, pr- where Wait. she grew up, probably a bit further, probably like four. Well, no, c- couldn't you just go to Detroit? Oh, well, yeah, Detroit. Over? Yeah, so yeah. it would be, yeah, that's true. It'd be two hours. So, like, we've we've actually tried to go multiple times. Really? It's not working out. You keep out. getting turned away at the border? Yeah. Like, we, well, not like not, that. Not, not like that. Not like that. But, like, we planned, like, oh, we, we should go, like, just, like, we were going to go, like, for New Year's one year. And I think, like, we were sick. uh We were going to go last year. I had tickets to the Detroit IndyCar race. And then we had, like, some logistics issues because we were going to stay in Canada. So, yeah. like just check off the box. Not that Windsor's anything special, but it would have checked the box. So didn't do that, and that would have been last summer. And then uh this summer, we're already planning a, a you know, a summer vacation trip. I think we want to go to like northern Michigan, not the UP, but Mackinac Island, those kind of places. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we could go to Sault Ste. Marie. It's an hour away from Mackinac City. Like yeah. there's no reason not to. This is your chance. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm yes. sure we'll find a way to not go. <laughs> sure it's just, it's go like up. shocking because she's been to probably like half a dozen countries like and not Canada Mexico obviously the US uh Costa Rica uh Jamaica uh Belize or a few other but like she's never been to Canada and she grew up you know about 2 hours away And and I've been to Canada like two or three times <laughs> I mean needs to get it together yeah for real no well joke.
1: hopefully on your bucket list is uh is getting to Canada that, that happens at some point
0: well it's not a, it's it's my bucket yeah, list for her. Uh, yes. Like I've been, I've yes. experienced it. It's just shocking. It's and then you're going to so cross the
1: border and be, like, and she'll be like, is it like, yeah, this is Canada. Yeah. Like, oh, and then okay. you move on. And then you turn back <laughs> around and come back.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it, like, it's not anything special. If you're going across the border, usually I, I can't speak for Sault Ste. Marie, but it probably is nicer than right. <laughs> nicer than Windsor. I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we used to
1: always talk about going to Windsor when we were younger because, you know, you could drink Earlier, in, yeah, like in what in an eighteen, and they had like uh, they had uh, adult clubs, like gentlemen's clubs, in there that were like uh, more risque than they were in the states. So we were always talking a good game in high school that we we're going to just take a weekend trip up to Canada. Of course, we never
0: did it, but it sounded good. It's it's like one of those things where everyone, oh yeah, we're going to do, that, and then you never do. No, it's like uh, the idea of it is.
1: It was it was Cheetahs in Windsor that was always like the mecca that, that we were going to go to and it was going to be a weekend we we're going to go to Cheetahs in Windsor we never did never did
0: I don't even know if that place even exists I, I don't I have no idea my understanding is Windsor is very rundown and not exactly the best place yes to visit. which
1: is well for high school kids that are just trying to uh, to drink and see boobs it didn't matter that was that was that was where we were going you know it was a poor man's Vegas back then. <laughs> Just got to go across the river. Just, yeah. Yep. Just got to make it up there, and, and, and make no mistake. Like Detroit, especially at that time,
0: wasn't anything no. to, to Detroit now anyway. within in the last, I don't know, decade is, is it's, a lot it's better. Be- yeah, it's better. It's but it, 20, 25 years ago. No,
1: it was, it was a bigger Gary. Basically was what it was, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just idiot high school kids talking about what they were going to do. If they got up to Canada,
0: <laughs> Shifting gears, I don't even know how to segue Yeah, that. yeah, good luck. There's good really luck. no segue. But uh, IU, Ohio State, tonight, you can hear the game on our sister station, WoWo92.3 FM, uh, pregame at 6, tip at 7. And IU trying to get back on track. They had the ugly loss against Penn State. They're now playing an Ohio State team, which we'll get into some numbers by them. They are an absolute mess. If you think IU is struggling, Chris Holtman squad and Columbus – I mean, he's probably on the chopping block this season, unless they can find a way to get into the NCAA tournament. That's how bad it has been. But for IU, their season can be summed up in one stat, and it is this. In Big Ten play, IU has a scoring margin in the second half of just one point. Oh. One point. Now, that's not the worst of the Big Ten. Would you guess the team that happens to have the worst second half scoring the margin in Big Ten play? Second half scoring margin. It is horrendously
1: bad. Uh, I will say, Michigan.
0: Correct. <laughs> that it was that was that was not that hard. <laughs> uh, their scoring margin in the second half minus ninety five. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> not
1: ideal. So IU has outscored Big Ten opponents in the second half of games by one. Correct this year. Not gonna win you a lot of
0: basketball. No, games. and and we know it. Just watching this team, right? The coaches talk all the time right about the final and you hear different things whether it's the final two minutes or the final four minutes of each half right of being so critical and i cannot think of a team that i watch on a regular basis or that, that i see that is worse at the final two or four minutes of halves that iu i mean it is so bad they close halves very poorly obviously late in games they're trailing so they're just hoisting up threes and hoping they go in to, to try to get something going for them. But that's how games get away from you. And Mike Woodson, I can't believe we didn't even like address this yesterday. Cause there are so many things with IU, but Mike Woodson uh, saying that the team fell flat against uh against Penn state. Isn't that on you? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the flat is every game going into halftime and coming out of halftime. Isn't that shouldn't the coach take some responsibility for that? Doesn't seem like Mike Woodson takes much responsibility, does no. it? No, it does not. I mean, I, I, I mean, he mentions players by name. Oh, he had a bad game, and it's like, okay, <laughs> like, that's great. What's that?
1: Well, you know, I went to the uh, Purdue Fort Wayne game last Thursday, game that they lost at home and uh, against who the heck they played, Milwaukee. And as I got the car, I was heading home. I, I turned it on thirteen eighty. I heard uh, post game, and John Kaufman joins the show, or joins uh, Brett Rump post game. At first, at first question, and he immediately went into apologizing and saying he didn't do a good enough job preparing his team. He actually called a timeout barely ninety seconds into the game because uh, he felt his team wasn't prepared for what Milwaukee was doing to start the game. And he took responsibility, and he has he he just he had to do a better job, and it's on me. And you know, the future we have to we have to do this, this, this to prepare our better prepare our kids. And um, I, I think. I think coaches fall on the sword traditionally a little bit more than maybe they should. And and not saying that, that Kaufman uh, shouldn't have done that because I think it was admirable and it, it made sense at the time. I've never heard Mike Woodson do that
0: ever. No. And, and the fact that the quotes and I get it, he comes from the NBA. So he's going to speak about players a little bit differently. It's just a different culture, but he never helps himself in these situations. Um, which is funny because uh, here, here's a simple quote and headline from IU women's basketball coach, Terry Morin. Uh, IU struggling? It's a press. I'll take all responsibility for it. Huh?
1: Mm. <laughs> what a concept. I mean, it's, it's the NBA thing where you're, you're going, you know, these are professional athletes. you know, I, they should be playing harder. They should be playing better, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the coach's job to put the strategies and, and, uh, and, and schemes into play. And it's all about execution because these are the elite of the elite. That doesn't work in college basketball, and it seems like he's still kind of uh, definitely in that mindset to where he's not throwing them under the bus necessarily, but (laughs) he's not taking responsibility.
0: Well, he he essentially said that exact thing in the exact quote. I'm not going to throw my guys under the bus. They just didn't perform the second half. <laughs> isn't that kind of throwing them under yeah. the bus isn't that what that is i mean i get that it's a roundabout. there's no but like you didn't use yeah, a yeah, conjunction but may to, as well have yeah there might as well because those were actually two separate sentences so yeah you might as well say that and for indiana tonight this is a game that if the penn state game was the low point of the season at least so far this game feels like the game that will decide the direction the rest of the way. Are they just going to pack it in? Or are they going to still compete and and try to win games? Now, I'm not saying they're going to win games, but are they going to keep competing? We'll get that answer tonight because Ohio state is a team. If you look at IU and you think they're struggling alternating wins and losses, Ohio state has lost seven of eight. Mm. They went from being pretty much a surefire NCAA tournament team back when IU beat them in assembly hall to now, you wonder if Chris Holtman's going to get fired. Now, they're 9-3 and three at home, one positive for Indiana. Ohio State just 1-2 and two in games decided by four points or less, so if it's a close game, Indiana has a chance. And what Chris Holtman has done, or more so not done, since the start of last season, they're 29-28, and 8-23 and 23 in the Big Ten. They have over 18,000 seats in their arena, averaging just over 10,000 fans this season. Ooh. It has been bad. Not ideal. That said, Ohio State, still a really good offensive team.
1: Bruce Thornton, uh, what is it, Roddy Gale? Those two dudes, maybe a top 10 duo in college basketball in the backcourt. They can do a lot of good things. It's a team that can score with some of the best teams in the Big Ten. But their offense is not great, or their defense is not great. Uh, But what they do also well is protect the rim a little bit as well. So when you look at Ohio state and their strengths, if they can protect the rim, which is of course I use strength because they have to play through their bigs. Then I almost look at behind the scenes. You can never kind of predict what's going to happen, especially with Ohio state's mindset where they're at right now with our slide. But if you're looking at strictly matchup, there's a couple warning signs that I'm like, Oh, this may not be good for IU if Ohio State comes out and looks competent and, and is engaged in and trying to because I think mindset is everything right now for Ohio State.
0: Ohio State's an OK three point shooting team. But the real thing is, if Jamison Battles hitting shots, he shoots 45 percent from three. That's a problem
1: for yeah, Indiana. That's the big problem. Um, it, It's it's. Uh, It's strength for Ohio State because without Xavier Johnson, who's not expected to play again tonight, uh, it opens up a lot of opportunities on the perimeter for Ohio State that they can shoot if they can hit those shots. Like you mentioned, that's what Penn State was able to do. And you have some really good guards for Ohio State. I think Ohio State is the better basketball team, but their issues behind the scenes could uh, derail their chances tonight. But at the same time, like, Oh, do I really think Indiana is going to go on the road in Columbus and win a game? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, Ohio State right now is a five and a half point favorite, and it feels about right.
0: the The issue with Indiana all season has never been about talent. Now they've dealt with injuries; we can't deny that. But it's it's never been like they've been completely decimated. Like I think the few times they've had multiple guys out. That were expected to be out. I'm not talking Ja'Kai Newton, who's been out for the season, but multiple guys who are regular starting rotation guys. They were playing, you know, some of their cupcake games, and they were able to survive those. But in the Big Ten, without Xavier Johnson, who was big in that last meeting against Ohio State, and again, we don't expect him to play tonight. That's going to be a, a big loss, and and we'll see how the Hoosiers match up. But it's never about talent; it's about playing together as a team. It's about coaching and seeing how they react because also you notice with this team, the Iowa game, I think was the exception this year, but they get down after holding a big lead and like, that's it. They're done. The Iowa game was only because Anthony Leal played so well to, to kind of keep them in that and then help them come back. Something that looked like a one-game mirage, yes. by the way. With, uh, yeah, it Anthony looked. Leo. It looked like the uh, Leal's fantasy game, if you will. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's true. I mean, this is the problem when you look at Indiana and how they followed up losses this season. Got blown out by UConn, and then struggled against a bad Louisville team. Got the win, but it wasn't. It wasn't pretty. Back to back losses to Auburn and Kansas. They had a better effort against Kansas than getting blown out at Auburn against Auburn, but they still lost the game at home in a game that they had a chance to win. A very good chance to win. Um you you beat Ohio State at home that felt like a good bounce back from that that hard Nebraska loss. But um after that you followed it up with a lost Rutgers. and then of course the three-game losing streak, Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois. And, and now you wonder how they answer. I think it's it's a good question to say. I, I think we're past, oh, they need this game to, to help their resume. What we're looking at is Indiana, where is their mindset? Are they just going to completely derail, which would be telling? Or are they actually going to go out there and still try to play basketball? And they get this one tonight, and they have Purdue later this week. Uh, tonight on Peacock. And later this week in primetime on Vox, uh, we'll we'll see how they match up in both of these games. But um, you know, at this point, you're just not expecting Indiana to go on the road and beat a good team.
0: And and I wouldn't even call them good. I'd no, say they're above average. But that's
1: the thing. It's like you, you, you got blown out at Wisconsin, you lost at Illinois, you played better at Illinois, you still lost, you lost at Rutgers. You lost in Nebraska. Those are your last four Big Ten road games. The only one you won was the first one of the year against Michigan, and Michigan's terrible. So, Indiana's not winning tonight. They're not winning at Purdue either, based on what we've seen through the course of the season. This yep. is just, and this is the main problem within Indiana. We talked about diff, even different ways Ohio State can beat you. There's only one way Indiana can beat you: is they dominate in the post. That's the only way they can win. And even when they do that, it's not guaranteed that they win. But it's basically, all right, well, McKenzie and Baco and Kaleo Ware have to have big games. I mean, that's the recipe for success for Indiana. There's no other option other than that. It's just a uh, it's an antiquated offense and limited ways in which Indiana can attack you and beat you.
0: 46862, your text line number again, 46862. If you have thoughts on the Hoosiers, let us know on the text line. Meanwhile, on the other side... A massive ruling in college basketball that could shape the future of college sports. We'll debate how big of a deal this was next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. A little bit of Beach Boys here on a Tuesday, dreaming of warmer weather. Have you ever surfed? No, me neither. I was watching a movie the other day. That it was like had like surfing in it, and I'm like, this looks so hard I and know, terrifying. I know. <laughs> and, and like it was like the son surfed, and the mom was like learning how yeah. to surf to try to, like, connect with her son kind of thing was, like, part of the storyline, and... Were you watching Lifetime movies? No, no, it was, like, <laughs> on Amazon Prime or something. Gotcha. I don't remember the name of it, but... Watching this, and I'm like, yeah, that's a no. I, there's, There's, yeah, like, there's one, no. there's no way I could stand up on the board. Because I've never been able to skateboard either. Exactly, same. Yes. So I've never had any confidence that I could stand up on no. a surfboard. No. Unless it was, you know, on the ground and
1: <laughs> like, would you do like, um, like wakeboarding, like on, on some cruise ships or even like uh, different yeah. places you could have that, that, that machine thing. where It's like mm-hmm. a wave.
0: Yeah. Well, like thing. I've d- I just kind of stand there and do, it I've done mean? uh water skiing and kneeboarding and that, that kind of stuff. But like, there's no way I could ever surf yeah, Not surf. I just, I'm not whatsoever. confident enough in that. No, I could, I looks I, way I, too hard. Oh, totally. I agree.
1: But uh, it does still remind us of of warmer weather, which is supposed to be warmer this week, but then rain moving in. But, you know, February, anything over 40 degrees is a blessing in February. And we're going to have several of those days the next couple of days.
0: Useless information. Last year, March, I think, was actually uh, colder than February. I believe
1: it because I think people think, oh, yeah, once you get through January, February. But uh, we're still in for plenty of winter, I feel. And 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 I feel we're going to get at least probably two significant snowstorms. Still, I'm talking like you know, yeah, four or more inches. I'm March not like to me foot, is just but. like
0: mud mixed in with some snow and cold. Yeah, it's There's and, just and, a lot and, of mud.
1: But it's it's you get excited in March because then you're like, okay, we we'll get through January, February. It doesn't mean March is any nicer. No,
0: it's just that you're further or closer to spring. Basically, that's yes. where you're at. I. Uh, March, I, I I used to fool myself every year, like, ooh, it's March, it's going to be warmer now. No, I finally finally like was able to get past yeah. that in in my head. Probably just a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, I sent this question to
1: Nicholas Ferrari and I should follow up the the uh, the meteorologist at Wayne is because we always talk about this time of year and how the sun's never out. Like, is it really not out like traditionally? Like, it, it, with 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 science and weather, do we not see the sun as much in the winter? Or is it a mental thing? I, I don't know. Like,
0: well, the sun's like further away. Well,
1: from, I'm saying like clouds. Like, oh. is it more cloudy in the winter, or is it just something that we've t- we tell ourselves? And oh, we haven't seen the. We never say that kind of in the in the summer when it's like well, oh, because we the seen sun's the closer. But is it like is there? I'm talking about clouds, like cloud cover. Like, do we have more sunny days when it's warm than when it's cold? Or is it just a, a mental thing where we tell ourselves, oh, the sun's never out. Uh, I, I'm actually interested in that. Is it is it more of a mental thing? Or is there actual science to say, yes, there are less sunny days in winter? I don't know the answer.
0: Probably has something to do with the barometric pressure and the jet yeah, stream. And the, um, yeah, I'm just throwing out any weather fronts, terms the I know. Cold
1: fronts and the... Uh, <laughs> High pressure and low pressure systems. Yeah, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. And the atmospheric rivers, which is a phrase I learned... Yeah. yeah. Talking about the uh, what's going on in California. California, Yeah, with the atmospheric rivers, which I'd never heard of. Just when you think you've heard it all, weather.
0: You hadn't heard of those? I'd heard of No, those.
1: really? No, yeah. I, I had no idea what an atmospheric yep. river is. They're yep. getting pounded in
0: California. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Rain season. Yes. Meanwhile, on the East Coast, at least in one Ivy League, it's unionizing season. Hmm. The National Labor Relations Board has ruled that Dartmouth men's basketball can vote to unionize. Now, before we go, oh, this is the next step, amateurism is dead, all of that narrative, there are a lot of very specific things related to this case that don't apply to a lot of universities. So I don't want to say that this is going to be some sweeping thing, because that's just simply not true. So there are eight Ivy League schools, all are private, they have no athletic scholarships. Now, players in this situation, if they do vote to unionize, can negotiate over money, of course, salary, but also working conditions like practice time and travel. Now, this is just the first step in amateurism and possibly the NCAA going away. But the school can appeal, and as we've seen this before, Northwestern football players tried to do this back in 2014. Uh, The school appealed, and that was that. So and it's been I, that long. Yeah, it's it's been a decade. Hard to believe. But so this is essentially a step, but really only applies to private schools, just like before with Northwestern. Now, there is a 2021 memo that the top lawyer for the National Labor Relations Board uh, said that athletes should be considered employees. And so you're going to see more of that in these court cases, probably going in that direction. Uh, you also have USC football and basketball players that have a complaint before a different uh, national labor relations board in California, basically wanting the same thing to, to try to unionize. So is this a step possibly, but I don't think it's the sweeping thing. It is a big deal, but I don't think it's the sweeping thing that I think people want to make it out to be.
1: Yeah. And it, it, um, it makes it weird now because you already have these NIL collectives that are kind of the compensation system, but, uh, the Dartmouth thing would kind of, uh, go away then from the NILs because then they would be technically the athletes employees of the universities. So they would be paying, getting paid something. You wouldn't have any, any reason to have in theory, the NIL collectives again, in theory, at least for current college athletes. I think the biggest thing to me is when reading this story that the NCAA still adheres, quote unquote, or using finger quotes adheres to the 20 hours per week rule for college athletes (laughs) they should they should be only be spending 20 hours on their sport per
0: week is that exclude games uh it doesn't say i i i don't think so there is absolutely no way if that that excludes games maybe there's a chance if you're practicing like two hours a day then have an hour of 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 weights like
1: no, like five I think days so. A so, week. so Dartmouth players testified during this hearing that they spend more than forty hours per yeah. week on their sport. It doesn't. I think that means everything. The NCAA only allows twenty hours per week on their sport. A Pac-12 study in 2015. Remember the Pac-12? Yeah, it showed that athletes in that conference spent more than fifty hours per week on their sport.
0: And that's that's very that's a yes. believable number. Twenty hours, if you're excluding games. Uh, that's not even believable because you're talking a minimum two hours of practice, five days a week. You have weights waits, probably meetings. uh in meetings that tax on probably another what ten hours a week. So that's thirty hours right there. Before you even play any games. Yeah. And you throw in two games and you're you're looking at at least forty.
1: And and, and me, I know it's probably not included, I would include
0: travel. Time. I mean, it's travel time for your sport, travel time, training table, right? Yeah. All the, all these things would be factors in this. It's just hysterical that the NCAA still, uh, I, I,
1: I know it doesn't believe it. It's just, it, 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 but the rule is 20 hours a week, but you know, that's not happening.
0: No, no, there's, there's no way. And again, Ivy league, different private entities. So, there is a pathway forward. Now, Dartmouth is saying uh, uh, their end. well, does that mean music? You know, stu- students in the school of music, they're also employees. Like, well, are they performing in concerts? Right. Do are, they have to practice? Well, my thing is,
1: are is the university making significant revenue off those college athletes or college performers? If the answer is yes, then yeah, should be employees. That's my biggest thing is... The compensation for athletes at major universities for big sports, um, considering how much they make, is unfair. I'm not talking about the tennis player at Indiana State, okay? I'm talking about the football player at Auburn, the basketball player at North Carolina, okay? Uh, Even the women's player at uh, Indiana, okay? Okay those three sports are the are, are the biggest thing and and they are taken advantage of for the universities to make a stupid amount of money stupid whether it becomes admissions media right, all that stuff just absolutely insane and 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 the people that say well they're getting a, a college education like the money is so dumb that that's just a drop in the bucket and that these universities are pocketing. And, and it's, a, it's a greater conversation to have about higher education at large and how stupidly expensive it is and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at just the athletics, the money that's being made uh, at some of these universities on athletics on their athletes with little compensation is insane.
0: Dartmouth argued that, well, the men's basketball program loses money, but attorneys for the players countered saying, the school is leaving out important and lucrative revenue streams that the basketball team contributes to, and it doesn't matter whether the team turned a profit It's that if the program brings in revenue, which, of course, it does, and, and coaches have control over the players. Now, going back to that Northwestern case and, and why, again, you're not going to see this in public schools because the National Labor Relations Board only has jurisdiction, essentially, over private schools. So what happened at Northwestern? That's why this is happening at Dartmouth. That's why there's a case at USC. But you can't really see this at uh, public institutions because they just the, the that board only governs private employers. So the reason why Northwestern, uh, why that didn't go through, the ballots were destroyed because the board decided that allowing the football players, the only private school in the Big Ten to unionize, would skew the labor market in the conference, which, hard to disagree with. Yeah, on that argument.
1: Couple comments coming on the text line four six eight six two ck. Do you know how nil is taxed?
0: I don't know how nil. Is no, taxed. because some are nonprofits, right? Hoosiers for Good, for example. Well, a nonprofit I think, charitable thing. Well, on both sides. So
1: if you get money from nil, I mean, you have to claim that, and I don't think you get taxes taken out on the front end.
0: No. So no, it'd be like a oh, what is the is it ten ninety nine? Yes. So, like, I have a 1099 for some side gigs that I have.
1: I just got a 1099 for when I was doing Purdue Four wing games. Yeah, so... And I have to claim that. So, mm-hmm. if you're making tens of thousands of dollars at NIL, and that's tame, you're not getting taxes taken out of that. No. Which means you're going to don't. And
0: players don't realize that when right, they're making you know, this money. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, January, this is taxable
1: income. Yes. Now, part of it is you can still be claimed as a dependent, mm-hmm. so that helps... But still, you could potentially stick your parents with a sizable bill if you don't plan ahead and have that laid out. Uh, Also, on the text line, uh, spent four years as a student performer at Ball State in the music department. Thanks for keeping us in the conversation. I mean,
0: well, I mean, you have to practice your instrument. You have to whether if it's marching band, obviously you have practice for that as well. Beyond just practicing the music, you have to practice the movements. You have to perform. Uh, at performances, perhaps at games, uh, separate performances as well. And performance halls and, and traveling th- I mean, a choir, right? I mean, shouldn't they be paid? They're singing and they travel around. They have to perform. It's, well, it's the same concept.
1: I do know that at Purdue Fort Wayne, the pep band gets a stipend for playing.
0: Athletes it's, already get a stipend. It,
1: yes, but they get like, they, well, it's an, it's hourly. They get hourly pay. It's pathetic. Mm -hmm. They get paid, but like if they show up, it's probably minimum wage. Yes. It's very minimum wage. So if they show up to play, uh, for the Dons, for the Dons game, uh, this week or whatever their next home game is like, they'll make like $15 in two hours or something. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's stupid. So, um, but I imagine if you are in the pep band at Indiana university, you're getting paid, you're probably getting paid a little bit more. Than fifteen dollars a game, but uh, it's a slippery slope to go down. And just be—and here's my my thing—is I guess just because certain amount of schools can't afford it, doesn't mean every school can't afford it in terms of paying not just athletes but performers.
0: And we'll dive in more in hour number two. Dan Luss will join us at about eight forty. He's a sports lawyer and host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast about what this ruling means. Again. They only have jurisdiction over private employers. So what would this look like if it was a public university and how would that go about? We'll talk to him about that. And also, if this is step one in the process and we talk a lot about college sports, which I, I still contest that college sports is doing fine. Now, there are always people promoting its doom. There are always people saying, well, it's this isn't what it used to be, but it's moving forward and it's more successful than it's ever been. So what does college sports look like in five years? We'll ask him about that and more coming up next hour. Coming up on the other side, though, Jim Coyle, Indiana Sports Beat Radio here on 1380 The Fan, publisher of the IU rival site. He will join us to preview o- IU Ohio State next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Tuesday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Text line also available to you at 46862. Again, 46862. Coming up this hour on the show, Jim Coyle, Indiana Beat Radio here on 1380 The Fan, also the publisher of the IU Rival site. He will join us shortly to preview IU and Ohio State coming up tonight. Also, Super Bowl Saturday. Yeah, we'll debate whether we think this is something worth considering if you're the NFL. And Dan Lust, who's a sports lawyer and host of the Conduct Detrimental Podcast, will join us to break down the National Labor Relations Board ruling that Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees. And they could vote to unionize what this means for college athletics moving forward. We'll talk to him about that. And before we leave you, after 850, an Australian toddler had a little too much fun with a claw machine. The claw. The claw. Yeah, you Not watch either. Toy Story every day. Oh, so it's, you're it's very on familiar with the every
1: damn day
0: <laughs> at home. It's a good movie though. Well, you, can I, you at least rotate between, like, you know, you rotate one, two between and three. one, two,
1: and three, and then he's big on Miss Rachel on YouTube. Yeah. So but those are our those are our go tos. And Wheel of Fortune loves Ooh. Wheel of Fortune. Like we I got home late last night, nine thirty, we were sitting on the couch, turned on a random Wheel of Fortune, and we knew this before, but he is like zoned in. Oh, it's really all the important. sounds, sounds and colors, the, and the yeah. wheel and all that stuff. I loves it, absolutely loves it. That's the only adult show we ever are able to watch at the house.
0: I uh, was watching Groundhog Day on Friday, yeah, and I forgot about the scene where he is doing like they're watching Jeopardy at like the bed and breakfast, and he's answering every question because he's seen it so many times, <laughs> and they're yeah. all just like amazed. <laughs> Jeopardy's yes. more my show. I Will is Fortune it? is a show I just have never been good at. That'd be uh, awful. Jeopardy.
1: I'll 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 turn it on. I think I'm really doing really good. I'm dominating, and then I'll realize it's like teen Jeopardy. <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah. like, oh crap! I should know all this stuff. Let, um, yeah.
0: Let's let's bring our guest on Jim Coyle of Indiana Sports Beat Radio, also the publisher of the IU Rivals site. You can hear ISB each each and every day here from three to four on thirteen eighty Fan. Jim, are you a Jeopardy guy or a Wheel of Fortune guy?
2: Oh, good question. Well, I'd I'd love to be Jeopardy guy because I, but I don't know that I'm I'm smart enough.
0: See, See I that's why I'm at. Jeopardy. I can I can sweep one category and then be completely lost in another.
2: It just it, it's well, all about the, the, the matchups. If it's all those easy ones, then you're like you're like oh crap, now I'm out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I always love the sports categories. Those are fun because I I feel superior just for that short little blip of the show. think you. Just lay your buzzer down and be like, yeah. yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that, they get to literature and yeah, poetry I'm, I'm out, I'm and out. stuff. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> Jim Coyle joining us. So let's talk a little IU basketball. Jim, uh, I saw a stat. IU has been outscored. Uh, they're struggling the second half. Their scoring margin in the second half of the season. in Big Ten play just plus one point, which is second worst in the Big Ten. Why is IU struggled so much in the second halves of games, especially in Big Ten play?
2: That's a great question, and I wish for Indiana fans that the coaching staff could figure that out, but they've just been so inconsistent in so many ways. They've been inconsistent in their lineups, inconsistent in who's available, and whatever who's available has been out there, they've been inconsistent in... The perimeter mostly the front court guys have just been solid. Uh, Kalel Ware uh, has been Kalel Ware all year. He's gutted through some injuries, uh, especially here of late, when Malik Renew was gutting through injuries. Um, and so, and Malik Renew has been solid. Those two guys have shown up game in and game out, but. Unfortunately, Indiana, it seems like there are too many games. They're getting beat uh, three to two, if you know what I mean.
1: Jim, I had a buddy that went to the game on uh, over the weekend and goes to a lot of IU games. He said just, you know, the, the atmosphere pregame just wasn't there. He, he said he used the word juice. and just seemed to be no juice at the assembly hall. And I know it was a noon start against Penn State, but he's been to a lot of games and, and hadn't said that about many others. My, my, ask, my question to you is, is what's the vibe? Around Bloomington, what's the what's the sense of bat uh, of the basketball scene? Is it they're accepting what Mike Woodson is and isn't? Is There's still energy. Is it reaching a point, maybe not a point of no return like Archie, but some some really some legitimate concern? What is the vibe where you're at?
2: Well, it's I remember when when it was Archie's fourth year, and it was just bad. And the last two games, it's funny you mention that, I've taken a picture because the balconies have been kind of basically empty. And that wasn't the case before. And on the first time I'm like, all right, it's a Tuesday game, maybe that's it. Um But then it was a Saturday noon game, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's Saturday noon. This is the greatest time slot there is because you've got all day after the game. So uh, that should be worrisome, even though it was Penn State. Uh, It it seems like the the fans are – expressing themselves by not filling Simon Scott Assembly Hall right now. But if you go to the message boards and all of that, you can see everything you want to see. But that's Indiana. is The one thing about that is Indiana does not have a, an exclusivity on that. As a matter of fact, the team they're playing tonight, Ohio State, is going through the same thing. Chris Holtman is catching the same kind of a, a slack from, from his fans. I'm uh, wondering if he's the guy, because he hasn't really done anything at Ohio State, let's be honest. Uh, and so it's, but to answer your question, it's not good. Um, Indiana fans are just sick and tired of being sick and tired of losing, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, it's every time they think that they got the right hire, it's it's not. And I, I, I keep asking the question, Who's making, why are the people that are making the hires allowed to continue to make these hires? These multi-million dollar hires are being made by people who've never made that hire before. Uh, Fred Glass before Scott Dolson at Indiana. He was a, a, an attorney and a and worked in politics before he was the AD at IU. Zero AD experience. And I just think that there's too much of that at Indiana and They've got to get away from the good old boy network and hire, no matter what they're hiring for, hire to win, hire to be the best. I just don't know that that's been the case lately. I think it's more, let's hire the best IU guy we can get.
0: Jim Coyle joining us, Indiana Sports Beat Radio, also the publisher of the IU rival site, thehoosier.com. And Jim, I kind of made that point yesterday. Talking about, yes, fans can blame Mike Woodson all you want, but Scott Dolson certainly deserves part of the blame. He handpicked Mike Woodson, a guy with zero college coaching experience, whether head coach or assistant, to be the guy to take over. And for whatever reason, IU's gone through what? We're talking seven athletic directors since Bob Knight was fired, I believe, and none of them have really figured it out for whatever reason. Is there something to be said For Indiana holding on to Archie Miller for as long as they did, despite him not making a single NCAA tournament, and now with Mike Woodson and the struggles he's having in year three, that they're, on an administrative level, not that serious about winning in men's basketball?
2: Well, the the thing about Archie, it goes back to Fred Glass again, Archie didn't hire Tom Crean, but he extended his contract and then fired him and had to pay a buyout. Then he turned around and he he hired Archie Miller without interviewing anybody else. So he hung his hat on Archie Miller. And then when things went south, if you notice, Fred Glass quietly reti- resigned retired right before Archie Miller was fired. Well, that's not accidental. Uh he had to go because that was that was on him. Not only that, he hired Tom out Tom Allen. So now You've got the extension of, of Tom Crean's contract that they had to pay a buyout on. You have Archie Miller that they had to pay a buyout on. And eventually, I think that you're going to have to pay a buyout on Mike Woodson at some point. And you've already done that with Tom Allen. I, said, I wrote this up yesterday. If after next season, not, not this season, if Woodson gets another season and they have to reach an agreement, Indiana will be looking at having paid out thirty over thirty five million dollars in quote unquote dead money, and I'm like, okay in what in what what company would allow that kind of uh financial malfeasance I call it without and who where's the repercussions? not really seeing that and I'm like, I'm in the wrong profession." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Jim, you bring up some interesting points. I wanted to ask you this. Bobby Knight was was fired 24 years ago. Uh, In a sense, does Bobby Knight still have uh, an aura around or at least some sort of control around Indiana basketball in the sense that you you mentioned about the, the, the good old boys club? a good old boys club that I'm sure is big fans or we big fans of Bobby Knight. In a way, is Bobby Knight still controlling Indiana basketball because those guys are the ones that are making the decisions?
2: His shadow still looms large, there's no question. When, when you win at the level that he won at, I mean, you've got three national championships and ten Big Ten titles, but there was how many almost national titles? Uh, the 92 team, I was writing something up yesterday, probably should have won a national championship. Uh, his 75 team probably should have won a national championship. Had another one probably. So he was just, Indiana was always good. They were all this, making the tournament. This was like my high school making the sectionals back in the day. Everybody made it. Uh, But Indiana always made it. It wasn't a question. And now just making the tournament has become a chore for a program that shouldn't be. They are on par with Kansas and Duke and North Carolina and and Kentucky and all of that. But for whatever reason, the administrations have been allowed to make some bad hires after bad hires. And it's just gone south, and there's no reason. There's no program that is set up for success better than Indiana. The fan base built in. Even when Indiana sucks, their fan base shows up. Um, they've got the, the NIL that is greatly in place, one of the top NIL programs for basketball in the country, facilities, resources, bam, it's all there. And there are people that would crawl to Bloomington to get there from a coaching standpoint. And it's just putting those all of that together and and finding the person that, that actually makes the hire to do that.
0: Jim Coyle joining us. Let's talk about Ohio State, uh, a program under Chris Holtman who's never had a shortage of talent, but there's been a certain and clear shortage of winning since the start of last season. He's just 29 in 28 since the start of last season. And it feels like they peaked about two years ago uh, with that team that had a lot of success, I think was a two seed in the NCAA tournament and lost early. Um, Talent not the issue at Indiana, talent not the issue at Ohio State. What do you think is the difference in tonight's game?
2: Look, coaching, effort, uh, who who, who shows up decides to win. Because both of these teams are very evenly matched. Their the records are the same. They're both receiving the same level of, of stuff from the fans. Um, both coaches are, are under pressure. Um, and both need to win, to be honest with you. Indiana needs a win to stem this bleeding uh, from the fans. They're not going to the tournament. Uh, Indiana needs just just for survival. In my opinion it's the, the n i t is just a a hope for Indiana. You have to have a winning record to to play in the n i t and they're not they're not edging toward that right now. Ken Palm doesn't think so as out of their last thirteen games, they were picked to win one, and that was the Penn State game, so for Indiana, it doesn't look good and then you go on the road and it doesn't make it any any better um Ohio State probably has the edge because they're at home, but Ohio State has not exactly lit the world on fire either, so it's going to be interesting to see who, who shows up, who brings the game tonight. And I, I think that just comes down to the, the decision of the players, to be honest with you.
1: Jim, when you look at the rest of the season, you mentioned it. I use not going to the tournament, barring a miracle in the Big Ten tournaments, uh, an event that they've never won. Uh, in terms of what Indiana could do, over the course of the rest of the season to make you feel okay next year or at least heading into the offseason maybe they're heading in the right direction what would that be?
2: To win to win and be competitive in games that they're maybe not supposed to win they they still have a schedule that that has some games that that are very interesting Uh, you've got to go to Purdue do I expect Indiana to win that? Hell no But can you be competitive and fight? Yeah, you can. Um, They won there last year, although it was a completely different roster. They can fight through that. Um, You've got Wisconsin at home. You've got a Michigan State team at home. They have got to find ways to beat those kinds of teams. And that will show that, hey, they've they've got the mindset to win. Uh, They've got the coaching to win and to calm the nerves of the fans down.
0: Jim Coyle, Indiana Beat Radio, each and every day here from 3 to 4 on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, also publisher of the IU Rival site, thehoosier.com. Jim, as always, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll get your takes and, and more from 3 to 4 this afternoon.
2: Absolutely. You guys have a great day. Always a pleasure. Enjoy it. That's
0: Jim Coyle with us, and... Uh, someone texting during the interview. I can't believe that one person is responsible for hiring a coach. Isn't that done by committee? Well, it depends with Mike Woodson, Scott Dolson, hand picked Mike Woodson to be the guy.
1: Yes. That now, was his pick.
0: Did they add in an assistant with IU ties and Dane five? Yes. Did they add in Thad Mata to kind of help with operations and, and help with some of the behind the scenes off court stuff, uh, to get Mike Woodson acclimated to the college game. Yes, but both those guys were gone after the first season. So this is Mike Woodson's program. And this is Scott Dolson's hire. There is no one else who can be praised or blamed for this. And I think Jim talking about how IU has all the resources in the world, right? But yet we're seeing these just poor coaching searches for lack of a better word. Now, Archie Miller was thought to be the home run, right? Everyone agreed that. It was a complete failure. I don't think anyone saw that coming, to be honest. Not that bad. Not not the way that it worked out. No tournament appearances in four years. Yes, he would have had one had they not canceled the tournament in 2020, but it still stands. They were, they were on the right side of the bubble that year. It's not like they had a, a world-beating season. Yeah, with Mike Woodson, you have a strong start, but with previous players, and it's clear that the previous players were a lot more important than the guys Mike Woodson has right. brought in,
1: yeah, it's just um, yeah. I, Jim brings up a point that I've brought up several times is you, you know, what happened to the expectations of Indiana when under Bobby Knight and and even you know Kelvin Sampson and like the expectation was to make the tournament. Like, the expectation wasn't to make the tournament; that was a given. The expectation was to make get to the Sweet Sixteen. That usually every year. That felt like a legitimate goal for Indiana is get to the Sweet Sixteen. The goal wasn't to make the tournament; that was a given. That was a guarantee. You know, IU only missed the tournament twice, or once in twenty in the final twenty years under Bobby Knight. It was never
0: a question. Even after '94, when IU took a decided step down in yes. terms of their competitive level, they're still making the tournament with ease. With ease, and then.
1: Now it's not. Now it's a absolute dogfight, and 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 IU fans have just accepted it. And I think there's a combination of of delusional older demographic that thinks that the the days of old can come back with the an Indiana
0: guy, which is right? not true.
1: And then the modern day, the new fans that are kind of like they don't remember when IU's expectations when were higher. And they're just fine with, they're not fine with 13 and nine, but, you know, making the tournament as a, a nine seed is a successful season.
0: Counterpoint on the text line at 4 6 6 A lot of people saw the Archie disaster. Everyone wins at Dayton. Yeah, we know that now. I don't think that was known at the time, though. Yes, other coaches had had success at Dayton, but that was not the narrative around Dayton. Uh, they added a lot, saw this Mike Woodson issue, too. Well, you certainly saw it. I was confident early on only because of Thad Mata and Dane Five. Obviously last year they were a team that had high expectations. Yes, they finished second in the big 10, but they certainly did not live up to the preseason expectations that were at play this season. It's not a talent issue. It's a roster and chemistry issue. And it just seems that's the way this is going to continue to go with the way Mike Woodson builds rosters. Also, uh, someone asked on the text line might need, A Twitter or X poll question, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Well, that is up for you. Caleb Kinney, 1380. Again, Caleb Kinney, 1380, our poll question of the day, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Let us know. Mm -hmm. Caleb Kinney, 1380 on Twitter slash X, and you can vote in our poll question of the day. Coming up on the other side, Super Bowl Saturday? We'll debate if we think this is a good idea or not. Next, Caleb and Kinney in the morning, 1380 the fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Poll question of the day is up for you. If you missed it, it is simple one. Which show do you prefer, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? That came up because you were uh, watching Wheel of Fortune last night, and your, your kid
1: yeah, he's he loving it. it. Morrison loves Wheel of Fortune. Has yet to solve a puzzle,
0: but he loves it. <laughs> uh, so CalebKinney1380, that is where you can vote on Twitter slash uh, X. I am a... Jeopardy guy, you're a Wheel of Fortune guy.
1: Yeah, just because some days your know, Jeopardy just the the topics or categories are not kind to me, and uh, I don't feel very confident. Other days I can turn it on, and but I, there's more consistency for me on Wheel of Fortune. Like I can compete day in and day out I, on Wheel. I, of Fortune.
0: I'm the opposite. I can't ever compete on Wheel of Fortune. No, all I know is R L S T L N E. And I always mention,
1: like, how difficult does the job have to be of people to come up with the puzzles for the final puzzle and those letters being in there? Yeah. But not giving it away. Yeah. Not R S T L N E not being it. Like, I find it very difficult to come up with those final ones because you can't give it away and you have to have some sort of hints in those six letters. But anyway, I think about way too much,
0: obviously. <laughs> the final puzzles are always like impossible,
1: so, especially if people win a lot of money going into the final yes. round. Yes. Yeah. For sure.
0: All right, so uh, this debate's out there. This isn't anything new, but I want to hear from our audience what they think. So, as always, the, we'll get to kind of a fun Super Bowl story each day this week. Largely fun. Yesterday was not fun. It's calling out Roger Goodell. That's nothing new. <laughs> uh, but today, Super Bowl Saturday? Is this Is this something, one, the NFL is never going to move the game off of Sunday. So let's get past that hope and dream for the people who want this to happen. It will not happen. Uh, There are a myriad of reasons as to why. One, the game will get worse TV ratings. Saturday night is not a good night for TV ratings. They get worse TV ratings. The NFL is known for games on Sunday, right? Sunday football game, NFL. Uh, Leave college for Saturdays. And the other thing, people want the day off because everyone overindulges, right, on Super Bowl Sunday and they want to take the day off. Have you ever actually taken the day off after the Super Bowl?
1: No, I don't think I have. Uh, maybe
0: like in college
1: and I didn't go to class. Day, but.
0: <laughs> I called in sick a couple years ago because I was legitimately sick. Like I had had some food that made me ill. Yeah. And I watched the Super Bowl on the couch by myself while very ill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sounds not like going to get into more details. <laughs> I, I missed like people thought I They joked like, oh, you're playing hooky from the Super Bowl while well, I missed two days. So yeah. <laughs> no hooky there, but. Uh, here's here's the thing that I think could work for people. If they add that 18th regular season game, which we all know they're going to eventually do, mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves, uh, that would move the Super Bowl back another week uh, or, or up, I guess, in date on the calendar. However, you, it's kind of like high seed, low seed, right? I right, never right. know what's, what's the cor- correct way to refer it. So that would put it right before President's Day and for the select few that actually have President's Day off, you work for the government or a bank or if a school, if schools still get that off, uh, you would at least have a day off the next day. Yeah. So that'd be your one saving grace. But here's the thing. Like on Saturday, more social gatherings, right? Sure. Also, can you imagine the Super Bowl ending at about 10 o'clock Eastern, which is usually when it ends, and then just all the chaos after? Like, that's, is that necessarily a good idea? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, that's maybe
1: not the best thing. Um, for people, and look, look, a record amount of people watched the Super Bowl last year 114 million, million people. So, why would the Super Bowl move it off Sunday when that many people are watching? It works for it, it's it's a it's oh, yeah, I don't really want to go to work tomorrow, blah blah blah. But the game starts at 6 30, it's yeah. over by 10. 10, you know, it's not. It's not trying to watch the college football national championship starts at eight thirty on a Monday Uh, night. Seven thirty this year. Well, this year, yes, finally. But you know, it's really not that big of a deal, people, for the for the Super Bowl on Sunday.
0: So you're you're team Sunday, not Saturday. I'm team Sunday. I'm team Sunday. Here's here's the trick. So I think it's really just East Coast people complaining because when I lived in Central Time, Super Bowl starting at five thirty, it was glorious. Oh,
1: sure, done by nine.
0: Yeah. You still have like a couple hours left after that. Well, the East coast dictates them.
1: Yes. The narrative, right. Anytime there's a big snowstorm coming (laughs) to New York, everybody's (laughs) got to hear about it. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. You got snow. Yeah. That's fun. They
1: don't do that for for Buffalo Buffalo every time. Seriously. Or let alone the Midwest. But uh, yeah, the Northeast corridor rules uh, the, the, the media narrative in this country. I just, uh, I I don't have a problem with it on Sunday. And, And that's me at forty-one, and and you would think middle-aged people maybe would be like a little bit more against it, but no, it doesn't bother me.
0: And one other factor: more people work on Saturday than they do on Sunday. A lot of businesses closed that's, on Sunday. That's a good point. So it just makes yes. it easier. It, this is the most Especially accessible day early yes. on the calendar.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of businesses that are open both Saturday and Sunday will close early Sunday. Right? So Saturday, yeah. maybe you're open till eight or nine o'clock. Sunday or maybe open till five or six o'clock. So I totally get it. I don't think it's it's going to Saturday anytime soon, and I prefer Sunday.
0: I really thought you'd be a Saturday guy.
1: No, no. Just when you think you've had me figured out, I'll yeah. throw you for a loop. Yep. you know, I got to keep you Every on time. your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see this? Speaking of the Super Bowl Yeah. about San Francisco being unhappy with yeah, the practice, practice facility practice at UNLV. <laughs> so I didn't know this. So the they the AFC and NFC will alternate uh years in which teams get to use the host city's NFL team's facility. So Kansas City is using the Raiders' practice facility this week, whereas the 49ers have to practice at UNLV. Now, UNLV has an artificial turf, okay? Uh But the NFL came in and laid a natural surface over the artificial turf to try to simulate, of course, natural grass. And apparently, it's it's safe, it's all the stuff they've done, but it's, I guess the 49ers' problem is it's it's doesn't give enough, or it yeah, gives too it's much. It's too soft. Yeah, is that what it is? Too soft? Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like, just go out and practice. Like, yeah. seriously. Uh, you're, you're about to play in the Super Bowl, if they told you you had to play, you had to practice in a concrete parking lot, like just go practice, get ready yeah. for the game, type thing, but... It sounds like it's it's going to be nothing nothing happened because they were even talking about the 49ers. One of their options was to bring in their own surface or grass to put at <laughs> UNLV. I'm just like, uh, just go out and practice. So um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Yeah, this th- th- this is a Chiefs
0: by fifty. Yeah, this is the right thing. Here. Like
1: if if that's what has got San Francisco riled up this week, then they're not going to be ready to play come Sunday.
0: I'm more in favor, going back to the Super Bowl, I'm more in favor of getting rid of the extra week that is completely unnecessary at Yeah, this point. you're a big advocate of that. I yeah. just, I, I hate it. It's dumb. We don't need it. Just play the game. Yeah, just keep, uh, just a week to hype up the game. It's fine. Coming up on the other side, Dan Lust, a sports lawyer, host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast, will join us to talk about the National Labor Relations Board ruling Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees and can vote to unionize. What does this mean for the NCAA? and college sports moving forward. We'll get his take next. Caleb and Kinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kinney in the morning, you're on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. We move forward to our next guest, a sports liar and host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast, Dan Lust, joining us on the guest line. Dan, thanks for coming on this morning with us.
3: My pleasure to join you. Uh, I, uh, I had a sneaking suspicion I'd be getting a lot
0: of calls after yesterday's news. Yeah, your sneaking suspicion was absolutely correct. So uh, we're talking the National Labor Relations Board ruling that Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees and can vote to unionize. Now, the next step in the process outside, of course, that vote, Dartmouth, are they likely to appeal this ruling?
3: Um, yeah, I guess a couple things. We can start there. Dartmouth is certainly going to appeal this. My understanding is they have 10 days from yesterday's announcement to appeal. I don't know why they would not, but certainly Dartmouth's statement seems to indicate that they're working with the NCA on a, uh, we'll say, a collaborative uh, appeal. But yeah, I certainly think that's expected. And, um, you know, we got to kind of pause to see what the overall value of this is. But yeah, this is just step one. Certainly, if the NLRV ruled the opposite, Dartmouth have the ability to appeal as well. But if you're rooting for player empowerment, um, you know, certainly this is a step in the right direction, but we're not quite there.
1: Yeah, Dan, that kind of leads into my first question about what this means and maybe what it doesn't mean in terms of what's ahead.
2: Yeah, so I, I guess a couple
3: things. Um, you know, Dartmouth basketball is an, is an interesting test case. Had this happened at a, we'll say, a traditional Power 5 institution, I think everyone could logically say, this decision is going to be applied from the top down if it's you know a situation you know any any type of power 5 program you could say hey this school is making a ton of uh, revenue the athletes deserve to share in that revenue um, and that's why the athletes are being recognized by as employees Now dartmouth is interesting because it's not not like um you know they offer scholarships it's not like you know they're generating the same revenue as a traditional power 5 program there're special eligibility rules in the ivy leagues the ivy leagues are a different type of animal um, but that said, you know, despite generating lesser revenue, um, Dartmouth is still recognized as employees, at least in this small context. So, you know, it, it, does, it really only does have some effect over the Ivy Leagues in terms of that case law. You can really apply the same analysis across the Ivy Leagues, um, But it's not going to stop, and I would, I would think the next step here is to have a Power Five institution, one of a tra- more of a traditional college powerhouse Make that same type of application, um, and and the other thing, which you know, I, I think, kind of went under the radar, uh, some of these current and former Dartmouth basketball players, you know, they announced, you know, this is, you know, they're happy with the win, and what they plan to do is start an Ivy League, basically players association. So they are already taking that next step and assuming that this is going to be applied across the Ivy League. So again, this holding and this precedent right now is centered on the Ivy League. Um, But that's not to stop another school from taking that test to apply it elsewhere, or really even the NTA, maybe even potentially preemptively making that decision for them across its other member schools.
0: Dan Lust, sports lawyer, host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast, joining us on the guest line. So uh, you brought up kind of how it's different at a Dartmouth and in the Ivy League compared to Power Five schools. Now, USC football and basketball players have a similar complaint in California to that NLRB. Uh, But what is the pathway for a public institution? Because we saw Northwestern try this a decade ago. It was tossed out because the the board basically decided that because they're the only private institution in the the Big Ten, that would skew and perhaps give them an unfair advantage. But is there a pathway for public universities for these kind of rulings?
3: You know, I've kind of alluded to it. And I've, you know, I've been on our show and I've said this in the past, if Dartmouth were to win this case... and Dartmouth or USC, it doesn't really matter. Once there is one unionized school in the NCA, I think the NCA has to make that decision of whether it would be fair to have certain schools unionized and other ones not able to unionize. Um, you know, and it's really just a matter of the school's willingness to allow that to happen. Um, so certainly, you know, if you have a school like USC, which is in the in the Pac-12, and, and you were hitting um, well, formerly the Pac-12 now the Big Ten with a split between schools like. Um, you know, Northwestern, the private-public um, differences. I, I think you could have certainly a world where you have enough schools that pass this test, um, and then the ncaa or the schools themselves are forced to act. So I, I can't. You know, I guess the other part that we should keep in mind: this is an Ivy League basketball decision. It's not an Ivy League football decision. It doesn't really pertain to any of the other sports. Um, so. Uh, you know, As you can imagine, as more schools pass this test, it applies that much more pressure on the schools themselves and the sports as, as a whole. So to answer the question, I, I think the more you have wins on the kind of athlete level, the more pressure it applies across the public and private dynamic.
1: Dan, another big story in terms of uh, lawsuits and stuff with the NCAA last week, and you were all over this as well, about the attorney generals from Tennessee and Virginia filing a federal lawsuit against the NCAA uh, in regards to the name-image likeness rules as antitrust violations. Got to break that down for those unfamiliar with what that means and the potential impact.
3: Yeah, I thought we'd be lucky we'd only have uh, one big college story <laughs> in the last week, and we get two really big ones. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think just to, to put a pin on the Dartmouth side, that's a really big story in terms of player empowerment, in terms of, you know, what these athletes might be able to earn, what they can negotiate for themselves. Now, on the other side of the coin, this Tennessee lawsuit, which we'll explain in a minute, really speaks to the NCAA's ability to enforce, really, the, any NIL rules to speak of. So, um, you know, we've really had in this NIL context, it's really started July 1 of 2021. That's when athletes could first market their name, image, and likeness and make a profit off of it. In that, you know, two and a half years, give, give or take a little bit less than three, we've really had only two instances of any type of real punishment by the NCA, and that was Miami and Florida State, um, and really this past two weeks we've announced uh, we've heard that there was a big investigation for Florida, another Florida State school, uh, and then Tennessee for collective related conduct and Tennessee, within 24 hours of that news being public, essentially says, we are questioning the authority of the NCA to punish Anyone, when Tennessee state law explicitly prov- prov- allows us to do this, allows a collective to interact with the school, allows athletes to be paid. So who is the NCA to say that Tennessee state law shouldn't be applied here? So um, that's a case now pending in the Eastern District of Tennessee. Both sides exchanged papers over the weekend fighting over whether the NCA should be issued an injunction um, to prevent them from further enforcement of these NIL rules and uh, the decision expected really this week, I think the latest we'll hear it is on February 13th. That's when a hearing is scheduled. But, yeah, I mean, that speaks directly to the heart of the NCA's authority and ability to investigate or punish any schools. So, you know, all of a sudden the NCA's got two very large guns pointed at them.
1: Dan, something we've one been wondered here on the show, and we've got a couple questions as well over the last couple weeks regarding tax of NIL and and if, that's ta- if it's pre-taxed, if it's, The kids pay uh, tax season for any NIL deals. And then going forward, as this becomes bigger and bigger uh, around the country with athletes, how does that taxing system work? And is that a potential issue looking ahead?
3: Um, I mean, I guess uh, I I wouldn't be so concerned with the tax being specific to college athletes. I mean, I, I represent influencers. I represent some college athletes that also happen to be influencers. That's how they make their money. So it depends, all right? And it's not really that different from a normal system getting paid for marketing deals and whatnot. Um, you have to pay your taxes at the end of the year. There is certainly a different question with respect to these, um, some collectives that are 501c3s, some are not-for-profit, uh, some are for-profit, certainly the IRS is sitting on that decision of what they're going to do with uh, a handful of collectives around the country. But, yeah, for the, for the most part, at least when we're dealing with NIL payments that are traditional marketing contracts. We're not yet dealing with any type of services contract, right? any type of um, contracts or, or compensation that's derived from collective bargaining. These are pure marketing contracts that have been in our country you know, for century, right? Um, the same deals that you see athletes strike on a marketing level. That's really the only way that these athletes have been compensated. Even these quote-unquote collective contracts are really given in exchange for the exploitation of a player's name, image, and likeness. So they might be phrased in some type of way People might say, hey, this guy's getting paid X to go play for Y school. The contracts, by and large, unless they're being written improperly, are, are written to exploit their NIL. So these are really marketing contracts, not different than anything you would see outside of the sports context.
0: Dean Lust, sports lawyer, host of the Conduct Detrimental podcast. Dan, thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. I'm sure you have a busy day of interviews just like this, trying to get answers on a lot of the questions people have after this ruling came out
3: yesterday. Interviews and panicked clients. But yeah, it's uh, a busy day. But all, all good, guys. My pleasure.
0: That's Stan Lust joining us. Coming up on the other side, an Australian toddler had a little too much fun with a claw machine. We'll get to that as we wrap up. Caleb and Kinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Wrapping it up here on Caleb and Kinney in the morning. Caleb, i Justin Kinney with you. And if you missed any of the interviews here in hour number two or anything from hour number one, don't forget, you can always catch up via the podcast. Just look for it. By 11 a.m. each day after the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, free to download, free to listen for you. Final story, a toddler got stuck after climbing into a claw machine looking for a a, a toy in an Australian shopping mall. A three-year-old boy got trapped inside. It's it's always a boy, right? Let's not (laughs) kid ourselves. This was uh, in suburban Brisbane. Uh, The rescue, this was last Saturday. Uh, but shared by Queensland police on social media. The toddler was sitting inside the glass walled box it was filled with plush toys. Just crawled up in there. Yep, huh? Having fun. The boy's father said his son disappeared into the, the, the claw machines, prize dispenser and inside it. in a split second and his boy's parents were encouraging him into a safe corner at the back of the machine along with the officer's, and covers cover his eyes while the police shattered glass, a glass panel to free him, he was fine. Uh, and the video ends, one of the officers joke with the boy, you won a prize, which one do you want? <laughs> ah, Hopefully you got a prize out of that.
1: Is there a game at an arcade that you like own that you're like, I'm going to dominate in this? I don't know. It be an arcade game, it can be skee-ball. Yeah, I'm anything. decent
0: at skee-ball. I wouldn't say I'm great. I feel like I'm pretty good at, like, Cruising USA. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if I'm great. I always hated
1: Cruising USA because, like, you'd finish first and dominate, and that was it. Like, yeah. what do I get? Can I get a credit to run a- another race?
0: Yeah, I can't really think of, like, a game that I, I feel confident enough in that I could, like, dominate. Like, I wish I could say, yeah, I dominate at, uh, what's the golf one? Can I kind of think. Golden Tee. Golden Tee, like, yeah. no, never played that. I'm sure no. it'd be awful.
1: Yeah. Um, or NBA
0: Jam, awful on the arcade version.
1: Remember the old? Like, were you old enough for like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade and Simpsons arcade games? Yeah, I, uh, I know amazing. what you're talking
0: about. Yeah, there are like the Pac-Man or that. something. No, there isn't one that I'm. I'm There's locked not, in. Not
1: one that you dominate. No, I don't think so. Uh I gotcha. There was one that we used to play all the time when we took Noah to like Chuck E. Cheese, and it was a uh-huh. like Deal or No Deal. Oh yeah. So you'd pick a pick a bo- uh, pick a suitcase at the beginning, and then you'd win tickets depending on it, you know, and you'd get different offers. It was fun my wife it
0: gets like she so we were at Chuck E. cheese for like a big family gathering one time yeah uh and so like of course her nieces and nephews having fun but like we bought like the like a play pass just to have fun and she was next level obsessed with just like the the games where you like knock the coins off the ledge or whatever <laughs> yeah, Like i was yeah. like
1: where it falls like this like it was
0: terrifying like we can't we can't take you to something that, where we'd lose actual yeah, money. Yeah, you can't take her to Vegas. Like yeah. you see the other side of yeah, the it was obsessiveness. Horrifying. <laughs> it was horrifying. I'm like I'm just playing skee ball <laughs> and having fun with those games. And but. you're over here. Oh, uh, very concerning. Yes, keep her away from the slots. Thanks to Jim Coyle. Thanks to Dan Luss for Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick up next. The herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports with Jim Coyle from three to four, and the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from four to six. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.